Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in on a little bit of everything with me, your host, Angelica. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. And today, today, my guest is a co-host of the Latchkey Movies podcast, the show where they take critical look at the movies of what your kids are watching without your supervision. She is also a system expert, organizer of a women's group, homeschooling mom of three, and trauma and loss survivor. Welcome, Prior to the show, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm so happy because this is awesome where we get to connect with different people and share different topics. And this is what I love about podcasting is you can just, I can just bring anyone on the show and say, hey, let's talk about this. So today, to all my listeners out there, we're going to talk about forgiveness and how to make it a daily practice this is amazing thank you so this is not a really fun story uh five years ago when (laughs) i was pregnant with my third child i was 36 weeks pregnant i had been planning a home birth and I'd been having some early contractions, and I uh, ended up having a complete placental abruption, mm-hmm. um, and I very nearly died. My son mm-hmm. did die, and there was there was a moment when we arrived at the hospital before we knew that he had passed, where I believed that I was responsible for this, that I had caused this. And so for me then, forgiveness is something that I've had to learn for myself. I had to learn how to forgive myself. Mm-hmm from this very traumatic thing that had happened that still very much a part of my daily existence. Yeah. Wow. First of all, I want to say, sorry to hear about your loss. Thank you. And I, I know it's, it's, I don't know how to say this. It's like, it's becoming a thing where it's happening a lot more than usual. Um, I don't know if it's if it's the food, if it's the environment, if it's the stress. Obviously, it's it's something that they're still looking into figuring it out, but when that happens, like how I, I, it's so hard for me to think about it. Like how could you rebuild from that? And I I feel like a lot of women nowadays are suffering where some of them had five miscarriages, some of them had like you know, an absurd amount. And it's just, how do you continue on? Like, what did you do to kind of 
okay, this has happened. How do I move on from it? Well, one of the things that I learned is that it is, in fact, not at all uncommon. Many women deal with an incredible number of early miscarriages. Some women will lose um, babies all the way up until the 40th week. And in fact, there's a, there's a curve for it that we don't really talk about, but mm -hmm. pregnancy and childbirth are inherently dangerous things. Mm -hmm. And I think we have put a silver lining around it in the way that we talk about it because we're in a hospital, so everything's going to be fine. And I think that we don't, really talk about the loss at all or the potential for it because we don't really like having the hard conversations. So one of the things that I found, they call it the shittiest club that no one wants to join. And that is pretty universally the language that infant loss support groups around losing a child is that no one wants to join this club and onto theirs. So it's really a difficult juxtaposition in that you've experienced this horrible thing that no one should have to, and yet there's a community to, who shares this. Mm -hmm. So I think I am trying to remember what your question was. <laughs> what was that one thing where you were be able to like, move on like what was that thing that you had to you know what was that point during that time frame like I have to move on but what was the first step that you take did you seek counseling was it your family support was it like what was it that you you did <clears throat> so I had um a tremendous amount of support from various places I had obviously online support groups and I had an some internet communities that really rallied around me. I did not have much in the way of local support. My mother-in-law's church kind of adopted us and helped us with meals and stuff. Um, for me, it was very much my other children. I had to be able to move on and be there for them who had also lost a sibling. And my husband, who also lost a child, it was a very nuanced thing because I, I was uh, anemic for many months afterwards. And so I was exhausted all of the time. Like I would get up and I would make my bed and then I would just collapse back down onto it. And I was trying to deal with all of these things. So it became... What happened was that I figured out pretty quickly that if I stayed stuck in the idea that I was responsible for this, that I would never move on. So yeah, the yeah. first step for me 
then was trying to figure out a way to forgive myself. Yeah. And what was the second step after that? So once you found like, okay, now you've accepted it. Okay. I need to, I need to find a way to move on. So what was the second step that you took? I became very entrenched in my rituals and routines, and I'm not sure that's entirely healthy. I obviously, I did trauma therapy. I had lots of things, but ultimately getting up every day and making my bed and then feeding my children breakfast and then planning my day became the foundational backbone of the things that so for me it became easier to make the life decisions Mm -hmm. depression is and 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 grief and depression are very similar in this way figuring out what you're going to eat is hard Mm -hmm. figuring out what you're going to wear is hard like they're just they become these overwhelming decisions in the face of so much trauma and anxiety. And so I just built routines. I started picking out my clothes for the week. Like I'd put them all on hangers and things and, and hang mm-hmm. them up in my closet. I did obsessive meal planning. I've relaxed on this somewhat, but I still do plan meals in a way that I do food prep once a week so that I don't have to think about it in the middle of the week it's just there tonight we're having shrimp alfredo and the shrimp is already cooked and it will take me 20 minutes to get dinner on the table it's those kinds of things that made survival possible for me yeah and how long did it take you to kind of you know go through that stage of okay now I have this routine like when like how long did it take you to adjust back to your to your regular self to be honest I don't know that I'm still back Mm. to my regular self you know there are always going to be things that are harder than they were before yeah and so you build in the structures that enable those things to exist anyway. Mm-hmm. And what other things did you do to, um, you know, like, yeah, you have this routine. Did you do anything else after? Like, did you go to a gym? Did you go to do some yoga? Like, you know, what extra hobbies did you pick up with, like, to help you kind of keep your mind off stuff? And what are you doing now? Uh, I, now I do all the things. Mm-hmm. I have a business, and I homeschool my children, and mm-hmm. I have a women's group that meets monthly, and I have a podcast that goes once a week, and a webinar series that goes once a week. And I, it sounds like a lot. And it probably is a lot. For me, it's just been very structurally stacked. So Mm -hmm. routines, they say 30 days to start a new habit. It's actually much longer than that. And there is, the research varies on what it is 
per individual. But I think when you start with very, very small things, it makes it infinitely easier to stack them. So for me, I was able to figure out the small, they're called Keystone Habits, that enabled me to figure out how to build more. For me, it was about peace. For most people, it's about time. But for me, it was about building peace and comfort into my days. But, for my, but it translates into time. So meal planning was a thing. Um, I'm terrible about exercise. So, mm -hmm. so, so terrible. I, 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 if, if there was a, an exercise shrink, I should probably see one because <laughs> that is not a part of my routine. But I do build, functionally it's because I know I haven't found whatever the thing is that's going to allow me to make it easier on myself. Yeah. So for, for me, a big one was meal planning. I have three kids now. I, mm -hmm. It takes a lot of time to get food on the table every day for them since we homeschool. So I do a lot of prep on the weekends. Yeah. And, you know, there are just structurally these sorts of things that I built in around our life that allowed me to feel safe and like I could grow. Um, you asked about hobbies. I certainly, in the downtime, especially when I was stuck in my bed and not able to do anything, yeah. I picked up um, Zentangling, um, which is little tiny art pictures. Mm -hmm. I embroidery, still love that. So finding things to do with my hands certainly was something but ultimately it all came back to my ability to write so i started building in um julie cameron's morning pages i started there it's three long form pages at the beginning of the day um and then i had I would journal, I had prompts from my trauma therapist mm -hmm. and then I would, there, and there are so many fantastic resources for this now online. Um, I believe it's therapy journals on Etsy, which I absolutely love. And there are, are just a ton of different prompts and exercises and worksheets that you can go through and just self-help your way to oh, wow. a better mindset so definitely got to look into that yeah I really I love them part of the problem with therapy is that it's you know it's weekly even even when I was going for trauma therapy and bi-weekly it was there were still the other days where I wasn't going, where there would be things. And so journaling and worksheets and that kind of activity really help build your muscles for doing the work all the time, mm -hmm. which is ultimately how you make these sorts of practices and habits a part of your daily routine. Wow. So 
I'm really intrigued about this um, therapy journal on Etsy. So it's like, I'm well, like, how, 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 what is it? Is it like a daily thing? Um, does it ask you questions to reflect on your day and how you feeling? Is it one sort of those type of journals? Let me verify the shop name for you. That'd be awesome. Because I'm pretty sure it's therapy journals. Yes, it's therapy journals. Okay. And yeah, so she has, and she is not um, a therapist or anything. I think she's mm. just someone who has also dealt with mental health problems. Mm-hmm. And there are, her name is Katie Rushing. And these, they're just, they're fantastic. And I came to them probably a little late in my process but mm-hmm. I've recommended them to a number of people and they're just they're really spectacular there are all kinds of thought exercises and things that you can and and with worksheets what I like is that you can print it out and interact with it multiple times as your situation changes you can redo this exercise over and over and over a lot of them are uh, cognitive behavioral therapy type things mm-hmm So it's all, but it's all very self-help in a way that you actually get to be in control of the process. And for a lot of people, I think that's important. We, anxiety right now is at a record high. I think a lot of that has to do with social media. But even if you exclude the problems of social media, one of the things that we don't really have is solid mental health support. It's terribly difficult to find a good therapist. Mm -hmm. It's terribly difficult to find a good therapist that takes your insurance. Mm -hmm. It's terribly difficult to find a therapist that even has hours available. Mm -hmm. And when when you have to go through this, when you are at your emotional worst, it is almost impossible to keep hearing no over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so there has to be some kind of thing for people. And for me, this was definitely a great resource in between times. And I had a good therapist. Yeah. I, can, I can only imagine, and I know people who have really struggle with the process of just even finding someone who that they can connect with because it is a personal relationship. You don't just go to a therapist and expect that you're going to like the first one that you meet up with, but you're kind of expected to by mm-hmm. insurance standards right now. And so <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, it it really is. And also like, um, for those listening, like, and who were considering, go on Google. There are so many, like, when I was looking for one, it was, I Googled what I was looking for, and then there's different websites that you're able to read success stories. You get to read what they specialize in. You get to read what their process is to help you out with the situation that you need help in. So, it's it's true. It's like it's like finding a car almost because you want to uh-huh. make it obviously affordable. You want to make sure you can maintain the maintenance because it's also I see therapists once a week and you know that adds up. But if it wasn't for my insurance plan, then I it 
I don't know, I would be looking to other resources to obviously pay for it. But it's so true. It's so hard. And then some of them can only do this part of it, but they, and they can't do the other half. And you're just like, what do I do? And then that initial, initial, you know, consultation that you have and you're filling out, you know, from three pages all the way to 12 pages about your history and why you're seeking therapy, then it's, am I going to be compatible with you? And it's true. I feel, I felt that too in the same, like that first visit I had with mine, am I going to be your friend? Am I going to be able to tell you what I'm going through? And that moment besides you, you know, venting out everything that you have on your mind, you're also just like, okay, well, how is she going to respond? Um, how is he going to respond? How is he or she going to say, like, how is she going to, he or she going to react? Like, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's really hard and it's difficult. Since we're talking about therapy, I always feel like it's important to run through the list of crisis hotlines. Uh, NAMI is my favorite. That's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. That's 1-800-950-6264. There's also Mental Help Net. That's 1-866-308-2184. And RAIN, uh, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, is 1-800-656-4673. Those are U.S. numbers. Sorry. I know. That's so American-centric of me. But But it's okay. Um, Most of my listeners are from the United States. Um, What I'm going to do is I'm going to search up whatever numbers we have here in Canada, um, Briar is going to send me those uh, numbers uh-huh. so I can put them in the show notes that way it is accessible to anybody um, but um, yeah it's it takes time and it's it, it's like buying a car you want to make sure the whoever is going to help you is you know you really gotta you gotta really stick to your gut and be like okay you know what this is the person if you're unsure it's okay. You can move on to a next one. Don't feel guilty. Cause I feel like sometimes people, when you have that hairdresser, that massage therapist, and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know if I'm going to come back. Everyone has that guilt, but it's okay. It's okay. You got to move on and find someone that is going to work for you. And there's online therapy now, which even five years ago was not really a thing. And Mm -hmm. it is now, and I feel like that is definitely an avenue that more people should be exploring. Because even if it's not in person, some therapy can be better than no therapy, especially when you are in a trauma or crisis situation. Absolutely right. And from my experience, I love the fact that I'm able to see the therapist or I can be at home in my pajamas, do a video chat and talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes it much easier for people to get emergency care, which is definitely a thing that we don't talk about (laughs) when we are talking about mental health, which is, I don't, I don't understand how we make people wait so long for mental health care when it is generally so dire. Mm -hmm. I think that it is 
so frequently the cause of our problems when we look at our societal issues, these people so regularly who blow up buildings and shoot up schools and do terrible things, we knew they had mental health problems and weren't getting help. That's mm -hmm. so often the case. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I totally agree. And also, even though you might think you can be, I'm going to say this in quotations, the perfect person or I have no problems, it's still good to seek help so you can actually become even better. And then I feel like everyone's got a situation. Everyone's got something. There's every, nobody's perfect at the end of the day, but you know, like they say, like the perfect couples, like, oh, what's the point of going to therapy? No, it's actually good because then you guys improve and become better. So if you feel as a person that, you know, they're like I, the quotations again, um, perfect, but it does help you. It will help you in different ways to become better. Uh -huh. And I'm, I'm, I'm for it. I'm totally for it. And I think that between good therapy or good journaling or good self-work, I, I, I think no matter what you do, you have to build a daily practice of really examining and looking at where you are with your mental health. I think the more aware you are of your mental health, the easier it is to know when things are going to present a problem. Yeah. And I think it shouldn't take horrible trauma for you to be able to reach that level of awareness in yourself. Yeah. There are absolutely warning signs of trauma and stress. We know when people are overwhelmed and overworked, they start sleeping less, mm -hmm. they dream less, they or they dream about work. I have been guilty of that one in the past. People who are on the verge of a burnout frequently lose external relationships so if you've stopped talking to your friends or your family or your church that's a sign that you should pay attention to you should make time for your in-person relationships that's a great way to bring yourself back to a strong center in in yourself and in your mental awareness of yourself interpersonal relationships are important. So for me, when I know that I'm struggling, I look for my kids or I look for my husband. I think it's really important to build those checks and balances into your day so that you have the ability to come back to that center. For sure. And I totally agree with that. I feel like society, like I'm one of those people that in the hustle and bustle, like, I feel like I have so many projects on the go and I kind of, I, so I tend to forget about myself and that has happened. I've gone through a burnout phase. I've gone through very high stress is because I just want to succeed and then push, push, push until I had that burnout phase. I was just like, oh my gosh, I went to my natural path because I see one um, once a week 
sometimes twice a week. And I was just telling her, I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't sleep. I'm having trouble sleeping. I feel extremely tired, like fatigue. I'm always getting sick. What is happening? She says, you need to take care of yourself. You can come and see me to reduce your stress through acupuncture, but you need to do other things to maintain. Hi, my name is Casey Gonzalez. I'm with Chef Salty Pork. Hello, everyone. It's the Coupon Queen Pen from the CQP Moments Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Mark the Shark from the Mark the Shark MMA Show. And you're you're listening to to a little little bit of of everything everything with with Angelica. Angelica. really important that many people in our modern life are neglecting is time in nature. Mm -hmm. So we are recording this the weekend of Father's Day, Mm -hmm. and we are going to go and spend the next three days outside, disconnected from the internet, so that we can commune with fish, which doesn't really excite me but <laughs> I'm looking forward to being outside with lots of bug spray I'm looking forward to spending time with my kids and my husband it, it'll I'll find ways to make it a good time even if fishing is not my <laughs> thing but being outdoors for one thing there's the vitamin d that nearly all of us are deficient in mm-hmm. you're supposed to spend 15 minutes outside a day soaking in the sun most of us do not <laughs> so being in nature is really a quick and efficient way to come back so oh absolutely and it's I feel like we need to get outdoors more. Before, when I was younger, it was like every kid was on the street. Every person was on the street. Kids with their parents, bike riding, walking. And now that society has kind of, you know, switched because of like, oh, neighborhoods are not safe anymore. This is happening. This is happening. But we still got to make a continuous effort as a community to kind of keep it where what what it was before. I am... in that weird fringe generation that Mm -hmm. is not quite millennial, not quite generation X. Mm -hmm. And I do, there were commercials on TV when I was a child that would announce it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your (laughs) children are? Like we had to be called in. It's dark. Where are your children? It was was a totally different time, but there's, there's a lot of that that I do wish my children had more of the ability to just spend hours and hours disconnected from everything outside exploring and playing and and building things with each other that it's not quite the same as it used to be it's really not and i've i feel like it's 
it's like I'm scared to have children at the same time because of the, the, the world we live in now. Because I look back at my childhood and I was just like, I remember being outside, coming home from school, doing my homework. And then my brother and I, because he is older than me, we would go run across the street, play in the park. And it's funny because the building that we were living in, my mom could literally see us from the building in the park. Like that's how amazing it was. Like we had a park access right in front of us. My mom could literally see us through the balcony. And it was those moments where, you know, the light of the park, you know how it starts mm-hmm. lighting up. That was our, that was our alarm. That was the <laughs> signal to come home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but nowadays I drive around and I have where I live now, it's a bunch of school zones with a lot of parks. And, and no one in them. No, I, I don't even see any kids. The odd one or two kids because it's like, oh, I guess their parents are like, cool, just get out of the house. No iPad time, no TV time. Get out of the house, explore. <laughs> uh-huh. We chose uh, the specific community we're in because it has this lovely courtyard around a bunch of interconnected townhouses and mm-hmm. so all of the kids go outside and play and there are actually parents who sit on the patios and watch the children play it's fantastic but you have to look for those sorts of communities now they're not a given anymore it's 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 a tough place to be with kids it is. And the fact that there's social media, there's electronics, there's one thing with social media for businesses and for your own small personal use of time. But then there's kids like I remember in when I was, what, four years old, I was like, I wanted this cool pen that had 10 different colors. That was like the big. Oh, those pilot. were the big things back yeah. then, right? <laughs> exactly. Now, you know, They've got iPhones, they got iWatches, you know, parents are just, well, not all parents, I'm not going to say all, but there's parents that are giving them what they want, and there's no respect, and it's just, it's unbelievable how, how things are changing, and with t- technology improving and becoming more accessible, I'm finding, like, most of these kids now, that's all they want, they just want video games, they want just to stay inside. I'm going to be on my iPad. I'm going to be on my cell phone. Like what kid needs a cell phone at the age of like six and seven? I never got a cell phone until I was in grade 10. (laughs) Oh man. And you got me beat. I was a full on adult. And well, when I was in high school, we had pagers, but it it is, it's tough, you know, and my kids, my kids like the text. So I have, an almost 18-year-old daughter, an 8-year-old boy, and a 2-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. And so there is a degree of the 2-year-old still pretty indifferent, but he there are certain movies that he likes to watch. He's a fan of The Incredibles too. It actually kind of mirrors his family, which I think is why he's drawn to it. But yeah, Aww. he he loves that movie and he likes Sing and he, he's got a few film favorites, but he could take or leave the tablet at this point in time. The eight-year-old, though, if I could surgically implant the eight-year-old into a game of Minecraft, that would be <laughs> permissible. So it's, it's tough. They, the, the 
17-year-old is far more interested in her phone than mm -hmm. her mother most days. It's, it's, it's a difficult line to walk. And on the other hand, the 17-year-old doesn't have social media and is not particularly interested in it. So I've done wow. something right there. She likes to play That's the amazing. games. She's not interested in Facebook. She doesn't want anything to do with Facebook. She doesn't she's seen the bullying her peers have experienced and she wants no part of it so that is amazing that is amazing i think i think there are i think you can allow kids to make some of these choices you know we haven't exactly forbidden her a facebook account but we've told her you know if you have one we'll want to see it because will want to protect you from things. Yeah. I think it's different than, you know, there are levels of privacy there too. How much do you invade? How much do you let your kids, like, I would never read my child's diary. That mm -hmm. certainly is an invasion of privacy that I find to be unacceptable. But will I read your private messages on Facebook? Man, I don't know. I feel like I have to, to protect you from internet perverts and weirdos. It's a different kind of thing entirely. Oh yeah, it really is. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's going to be a conversation that's going to be a thing for the next coming years, but it's going back to kind of, it's connecting. So if kids are on social media, they have anxiety, they develop stress, they develop mental health issues and all this other stuff. But then, you know, <clears throat> the parents get stressed out. Uh -huh. And then once the parents get stressed out, it, it goes through like a cycle effect. And then what happens then, you know, how can we improve? How can we teach our children? Like, you know, this is what's happening. How can we tell them? Like, obviously they need to learn for themselves, but then, you know, we create more stress, we create more anxiety, we have these mental health issues, and it's just like, where is the line? Where do we draw? I'm not a parent, but, you know, I'm always thinking these things. How am I going to do it? <laughs> and you have to ask the questions before you have the kids, because let me tell you, once they're there, so frequently you'll run into a situation where you hadn't thought about it, and yeah. you don't know the answers. It's best to have at least some concept before you go in. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I think when it comes to having the conversation, you can't shy away from the hard stuff. It's really, it's really important that you address it head on. When, when the baby died, my daughter, who is autistic, was, uh, so she's 17 now, that would have made her 13 at the time. My son then was also four. And we had to have a lot of conversations about death that I had never imagined having yeah. to have. And you can't, you can't shy away from those hard questions when you have kids because mm -hmm. it's formative for them and it's how they grow up to be in the world mm -hmm. 
So they too need systems and processes and routines and ways to express their feelings. For my kids in particular, we talk about um, emotions as crayons. That seems to help a lot. We have anger is red and, you know, this helps too from uh, the Pixar movie. Yeah, uh, yeah whose name, I review kids' movies, and the name of it is not coming to me, which really maybe tells you I need a new line of work. <laughs> <laughs> Inside Out, that's what it's called. Yeah. So that helps too. But, you know, having conversations about how kids feel is a tough one because they don't have the language for it. So any any. Anything that you can give them that helps them to describe what they're feeling makes it easier for them to process, mm-hmm. which in turn makes them healthier overall. I feel like I'm not a perfect parent and my kids have been through the ringer, but they in many ways do really well articulating their feelings. So that's at least something I've done right. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to the forgiveness, I know we've gone a little bit off topic, but this is amazing information because I know, I believe a lot of parents are kind of thinking like, okay, how do I, how do I introduce my child into social media as they get older? It's like, it's always a thing. Cause like every, they're moving too fast. Like, you know, having to want a cell phone at the age of six, you're just like, oh my goodness, already. <laughs> Why couldn't you wait till you were, you know, 15, 18, whatever it is. Um, but how can we make it a daily practice to forgive? What, what did so for you, me? Yeah, for you. For me, it's very much, this is part of my journaling practice and I just have to examine the things in my life that I need to let go of. I, and that's very specifically how I ask, what am I letting go of? Forgiveness, forgiveness is a nuanced thing. Sometimes you do it for other people, but mostly you do it for yourself. Mostly you forgive because at the end of the day it's about how you feel there are people in your lives who will do unforgivable things Mm -hmm. and sometimes those people don't deserve forgiveness they don't deserve to be treated in a way that rewards them for bad behavior But at the same time, when you hang on to those things, it damages you spiritually, physically. So forgiveness then is for you. It's for letting go of. And that's what I ask. What am I letting go of today? What what is the thing that I got mad about? What is the thing that I'm holding on to? What is the thing that just needs to be let go of? Because letting go, it turns out, is actually much easier than hanging on. So 
that's and I've worked with the kids on this too. We we talk about it at dinner sometimes. What are you letting go of? It's an easy way to process what we shouldn't hold on to without addressing the emotional burden of have tos. Sometimes have to forgive is not a question we want to deal with and that's okay we shouldn't have to yeah that one we shouldn't have to but what should we let go of is an easier one to answer yeah this is this is great and the fact that you're able to talk to your kids about it that's an amazing relationship to have to be able to kind of let them Think about what they're going through and how they can, you know, express themselves in that sort of way. Thank you. That's amazing. Thank you. That's really awesome. I know we're running out of time and I'm so happy to have you on today because this is something, and obviously besides forgiveness, we also talked about um, therapy we talked about you know kids and society with social media this is these are topics that that's what's currently happening in society and I'm super happy that you were able to share your experiences and hoping that somebody out there that's listening could benefit from it and have a different idea and approach to it and you know once again I'm sorry about your loss and it obviously takes time to heal and, you know, just to continue on, like I need to, you know, move on with your life and stuff, but it's so brave of you to really share your experiences. Thank you. I feel like at the end of the day, what I have is my story. And so sharing it is how I connect. It's how I reach out and, make a difference in the world that's amazing and i appreciate it i really honestly do appreciate it thank you so much so i just want to play a quick little game because i usually do with all my guests it's called this or that or some people call it what would you rather um mm. and um i'm gonna start let's see what do we got dog or cat oh cat Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. A phone call or a text? Mm, text. An ice cream cone or a snow cone? <sighs> An ice cream sundae. Cones are sloppy. <laughs> I love sundaes too. They're amazing. The cup just makes everything better. Oh, of course. Um, swimming or sunbathing? Swimming. A big party or small gathering? A small gathering. Um, what's worse, laundry or dishes? Oh, dishes, hands down. <laughs> I have a 17-year-old house elf, I'm sorry, 17-year-old child who does most of the dishes for me. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's I'll great. be so sad when she leaves <laughs> and I have to go back to doing dishes again. <laughs> hey, I did dishes. Uh, well, we were forced to because we didn't have a dishwasher and I think I started like eight years old. We had no choice. <laughs> oh, well, there you go then. I'll just give it to the next one. Problem solved. There you go. And plus you got another one. So you're fine. Exactly. For a while. <laughs> For a while. <laughs> Sneakers or sandals? Sandals. Hamburger or a taco? <sighs> taco forever. Online shopping or shopping in a store? I hate to say online shopping because I am very anti-Amazon, but I spend still an absurd amount of money online. <laughs> and the last one, receive an email or receive a letter? Oh, letters. Thank you so much. Um, honestly, I'm so grateful. And um, tell everyone... Sorry, who would you this say? Is, this has been great. Thank you. No, it's my pleasure. And can you tell the listeners if what's your podcast, if you have any social media handles, let them know. Well, I don't do social e media. It's probably not surprising after the nature <laughs> of this conversation, but you can find me at my website. That's briarharvey.com. And you can find the podcast at latchkeymovies.com. Perfect. So everyone, that's going to be all in the show notes for you to check it out. Briar, thank you so much once again. And um, honestly, this is fantastic. And I hope the listeners out there can take something from this information. It's amazing to hear different point of views and perspectives. And, you know, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. You have a great one. Thank you. And it's bye for now. Thanks for listening and stay tuned on a new episode on a little bit of everything with me.